Hey, friends, and welcome to episode 155 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies to inspire better work, life, and balance. I'm your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. And in today's episode, we're talking about the best kind of productivity that you can have, the kind of productivity we all should be aiming for. And I'm not talking about productivity where you cross every single thing off your mile-long to-do list or the kind of productivity where you get more done faster than ever before. Instead, today's guest, Tanya Dalton, and I are talking about productivity with purpose. So let me tell you all about Tanya Dalton. And y'all, I was so excited to talk with her. Tanya Dalton is a speaker, best-selling author, and nationally recognized productivity expert. She helps female executives and entrepreneurs step into purposeful leadership. In addition to having her first book, The Joy of Missing Out, being named one of the top 10 business books of the year by Fortune magazine, Tanya's podcast, The Intentional Advantage, has received millions of downloads from listeners around the world. She's also a featured expert on several networks, including NBC and Fox, and is a VIP contributor for Entrepreneur.com. Tanya has been featured in some of the world's leading publications, including Forbes, Inc., Fast Company, and Real Simple. She's the founder of Inkwell Press Productivity Co., a multi-million dollar company providing tools that work as a catalyst in helping women do less while achieving maximum success. Her highly anticipated second book, On Purpose, The Busy Woman's Guide to an Extraordinary Life of Meaning and Success, launched last fall through HarperCollins Publishing. In today's conversation with Tanya, she shares how to find magic in life's detours. She talks about the problem with wearing all the hats all the time. You'll hear about small, huge movements and why they're so important. And finally, she talks about creating a structure for delegation in your home and your work. As usual, you know you can find all the details for this episode in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 155, including links to stay in touch with Tanya and check out her books. And finally, I want to thank you again for tuning in and being a fan. And if you haven't yet, I invite you to click the subscribe button to be notified as soon as new episodes go live. And if you like what you hear, I'd be so grateful for your review. And with that, it's about time we get started. So let's get this show on the road. You're listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Around here, we believe that busy is not a badge of honor. Your host, Anna Dearman Cornick, is here to share tips and strategies to help you make the most of your time. Listen in on real conversations and success stories to find out how other go-getters are getting things done. If you're ready to step away from the overwhelm and spend your time on what matters most, then you're in the right place. Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick. Hello, Tanya, and welcome to It's About Time. I'm absolutely delighted to talk with you today. How are you doing? I'm doing fabulously. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for giving your time to the show. I know this is going to be a fantastic conversation. Uh, And of course, as always, I kicked off the intro by giving your official bio, but I'd love to know in your own words, how do you spend your time? 
Oh, I love this question. Obviously, as somebody who talks about productivity, time is so important. I think time is one of those commodities that we don't realize is so precious until it's gone. And then suddenly we're like, where did the time go, right? So I like to say that I spend my time intentionally. I really am very mindful about how I spend my time. I realize, and this is part of what I try to teach women, is that we have so many choices, right? A lot of times we don't feel like we have choices, but we do truly have a choice with how we spend our time. So I try to be really mindful with how I'm spending my time. So a lot of times I kind of have my day blocked. In the morning, I spend time like in the summer, in the spring, in the fall. I like to spend it sitting outside having, you know, a glass of matcha tea. I sit there with my husband. We hang out. I have these beautiful mountains that I look at in my backyard. I spend a little bit of time with him. Now, during the school year, when we're rushing to carpool, it's not quite as relaxed as it is right now in the summer when we're recording this. But, you know, having that time really makes a difference. I call that a million-dollar minute. Those are times that I would pay a million dollars if they were gone tomorrow. These precious little moments in our day that can just slip through our fingers if we're not paying attention. And that time with my husband is a time for me to reconnect with him, with our marriage, right? And we have these million-dollar moments throughout our days when our kids get in the car after school and they're feeling kind of chatty, million-dollar minute right there, right? Or when we're doing something in the kitchen and we're busy doing something and our kid comes to us with a problem, that's a moment I want to hold on to. I want to give them my full attention. So I try to be really mindful with how I spend my time. So my morning, I have a nice little morning routine that's relaxed, but it's structured, so it takes a lot of the thinking out of it, which I think is really important. And then I get started with my day. And in my morning, I generally spend my mornings doing some of my deeper work, trying to either, you know, maybe I'm working on a book or I am working on a podcast episode that's coming out. And then I try to stop working for lunch because I want to really enjoy my food and my company while I'm, you know, sitting there, whether it's be me by myself or me with, you know, coworkers or my employees or um, and then in the afternoon, that's when I'm doing things a lot of times that are meetings and interacting with other people. And then in the afternoon, I generally leave my work around three o'clock. I like to be really focused on family once three o'clock hits. I go home, I spend some time with my kids, helping with homework, doing things like that. And then I start into dinner and then we have a little evening routine as well. So really a nice little, and this is what I think is is true about productivity. It's it's all about creating a little bit of a framework. It's like a skeleton for your body. Like it doesn't tell you you have to run, jump, hop, or skip, but it allows you to do those things when you want to. So I have a little bit of this structure, this framework for my day, but it's nice and flexible because it allows for life to happen. Structured flexibility. That's fantastic. And I love that mental image of skipping and hopping and jumping instead of just <laughs> having this, I don't know, blob of a day that can shift into so many different places because when there's yeah. no structure, uh, there's really no direction. Yeah. And, well, and the opposite is true. If it's too rigid, it doesn't give you that flexibility for life to happen because life is going to happen. Life is messy. Right. And right. I think sometimes this is what makes people kind of push back or rebel against like, oh, I don't want to I don't want a time block or I don't want to do these things in this way. And it's like, let's just give yourself a beautiful container to play in. Right. Mm -hmm. Of like, OK, this time is blocked for this. It doesn't mean that you have to have it all mapped out. You don't have to be really, really anal about how it's all done. It's like, OK, I'm going to spend the next hour working on writing a chapter for my book. Doesn't mean I have to get the chapter finished. Doesn't mean I have to actually be typing on the keyboard. It could just be me thinking about what I want to type about, right? 
So it's allowing that flexibility for life to happen. I think that's so incredibly important when we think about our time. Mm -hmm. And it, it really is a departure from this idea of seeking perfection as well. Because mm -hmm. uh, I think that in the past few years of uh, social media overload and an attempt at being Pinterest perfect, that yes. we have this idea that our time blocks must be perfect. The way that we spend our time must be perfectly laid out. And we've set these expectations that no one could ever reach in yeah. their wildest dreams. Um, and so having that structured flexibility yeah. Well, I guess the question is, too, because I think people say all the time, like, oh, I just don't have the discipline or the willpower. And here's the truth. I don't want that kind of discipline and willpower. I don't want to have a day that's so hyper-structured that there's no time for fun and spontaneity right. and creativity. I want to allow... I want to allow my days to feel fun and enjoyable, right? <laughs> Life is meant to be enjoyed, not endured. So let's add a little bit of grace into right. our lives, into how we talk to ourselves. You know, lending into that idea of perfectionism, we get so caught up in this idea of what things should be like or what we're supposed to be doing, living up to expectations and obligations, right? Sometimes other people's expectations, but a lot of times our own, which right. we have set that bar so high it is incredibly difficult to even reach it, let alone exceed it. Right. So give yourself a little bit of grace. Understand that you are beautifully imperfect, and that's the way you're meant to be. Right. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay if it's not perfectly laid out. In fact, perfectly laid plans never work out mm -hmm. because life happens, right? Like you can, you can draw a perfect line of I want A to happen to get me to Z, and yet there's going to be detours. There's going to be, you know, off ramps. And the truth is, a lot of times, it's the detours mm -hmm. in life that get us to what the life we're really meant to be having. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the beauty. Like, this journey I'm on now with doing the things that I do now, with writing books and, you know, publishing a podcast and all those things, uh, that wasn't what I expected I would be doing in my life 20 years ago. It wasn't mm -hmm. what I expected, you know, even 10 years ago. I was doing very different things. And yet, this is where I am. And this is really my purpose. Wow. You know, it really is true that that when we look back on where we were years ago and we think about where we are now, um, we never could have imagined that things would work out oh. the way that they do. Yeah. we. You know, and then here's the truth. You know, a lot of times we don't even know those opportunities are here. Right. It's like we're on this highway of life and we're going like 75 miles an hour. Speed limit's 65, but we're going 10 miles over. Of course. You know, we got a lot to do. Yeah. So we're going 75 miles an hour and life is just like passing by us in a blur. Mm -hmm. And then we look down all of a sudden and we're like, oh, hold on. I'm not where I thought I would be. Mm -hmm. I'm on this like off ramp, right? I've gotten off the highway. But wait a minute. This is a scenic route. Wait, there's this diner over here that had a great breakfast that I enjoyed. Ooh. And there's these views over here that I like. I didn't even know these opportunities were here. And this is the thing. That's an opportunity. When you find that you've gotten off that perfect plan it's an opportunity for you to stop and say, wait, do I like it here? Mm -hmm. Do I want this instead of that highway, right? Do I want to change my track? Do I want to change the direction I'm going in? That is not a fail. That's part of evolution. And in fact, the places that we get to a lot of times, I mean, like the things that I'm doing now, I didn't know were possible when I was in college. Oh, exactly. Which is why I'm always telling my son, who's a, who just finished his freshman year of college, I'm always telling him, like, try everything. Mm -hmm. Like, I had no idea there were so many opportunities and so many things to try out. Like, test it out. See, do I like it here? Or maybe you do want to get back on that highway. 
And that's okay too. So it's a great time when we see that we're off of the path that we thought we would be on to really assess and make a decision about, do I like it here or not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the the path that we're on and the path that you're on, listening to your story and how you spend your time, I'm picking up on a lot of different hats that you wear. So you're a wife, you are a mom, you said that your son is a freshman in college, you're an author, a podcaster, a business owner, you're a speaker, a, a productivity leader. I've got to know, how do you wear all of these hats? How do you do all of these different, amazing, impactful things um, and still sleep? Yeah. Well, I don't wear all my hats at the same time. <laughs> so that's what that's what a lot of times we try. We make the mistake of doing. We're trying to wear like 75 hats at the same time. And especially for people who are entrepreneurs, where you're, you know, doing a lot of the work within your business, you can feel like you have to wear all the hats at the same time. And the truth is you put on a hat for a little while, then you take that hat off. You know, earlier I talked about how at three o'clock I like to come home. I take off my CEO of the office hat. And at that time I put on my CEO of the home hat. That's Mm -hmm. when I go home and I'm in mom mode. I'm really focused more on my family. And I think that makes a big difference. Um, So for me, it does sound like there's a lot of things going on. (laughs) There is. Uh, But they're all things that I'm really passionate about. And they're Mm -hmm. all under this umbrella of purposeful productivity, which is what I speak about is this purposeful productivity. Um, And so for me, it's like when I'm writing a book, when I'm deep in the cave of writing a book, I know I'm going to be doing fewer speaking opportunities. Mm -hmm. I know that I need to make sure that my business is set up so that it's systematized, so that I am you know, making sure that I'm having other people on my team taking on some of those tasks so I'm not doing everything. I think the biggest secret is you don't have to do everything. Mm -hmm. Getting it 100% done right by you is not important. It's better to have 80% done well by somebody else, right? Mm -hmm. 80% well by somebody else is better than 100% right by you. And I think that that's really something you have to take hold of that it's okay to delegate. It's okay for other people to help out with these things. So, you know, I'm a busy mom, but that doesn't mean that I do all of the home tasks. Mm -hmm. I make sure that I delegate. I treat my team at home like I have a team at the office, right? A lot of times we don't think about our team at home as being our support system, but truly that's what a team is. That's what a family is, is we're all here to support one another. So for example, um, you know, I have automations, that I do at work, right? So I have certain things that that happen on a regular basis. So, you know, it might be like checking shipping rates to make sure that we're, you know, charging the right price for shipping, or it might be doing inventory, or it might be, you know, having team meetings. I have those set up as automations. They're things that happen automatically without thinking. Mm -hmm. Somebody in my office is in charge of the automations calendar. And they know, okay, it's February. This is the month that we're checking um, shipping rates. This is the month where we're getting started with the design of the new planners. This is the month where we're doing these things, right? Or there's certain things that happen every month, like inventory happens the third Wednesday of every month, right? These are automations. We take the thinking out of it. I'm not worried about it happening. It's all set up in a calendar that somebody else is managing and delegating out, right? I don't run inventory. My warehouse manager does that, right? So she makes sure that the warehouse manager knows that. And that's taken care of. So automation's there, right? And that seems like so simple and so easy. But what about automations at home? Mm -hmm. Because the truth is, we can bring home the bacon, we can fry it up in a pan, but if the kitchen is burning down around us, it does us no good, 
Right. We want to have a nice, stable foundation at home so that when we go into work, when we go into the office, we can be 100% fully present. Mm-hmm. We want to have an office that's running smoothly so when we go home, we're 100% present for our family. So I have automations that I've done forever. For example, and this is one of the examples I give in The Joy of Missing Out, my first book. Uh, one of my automations is laundry. There's something about laundry that it is always growing this pile of laundry and dirty clothes, and it adds so much stress so needlessly. So what I started doing when my kids were young is I had the same day of the week be laundry day. Tuesday was laundry day. So I didn't have to think about whether the kids had clean clothes. I didn't have to worry about what the, what the situation was in the closets. Tuesday was the kids' laundry day. So on Tuesdays, I would call Hey, kids, it's laundry day. Because, of course, I'm super happy and sing-songy in the morning. <laughs> like a Disney and they're princess. just like polishing their halos upstairs. And they're like, yes, mother. Yeah. Um, so on Tuesdays, I would call upstairs that it's laundry day. And they would bring their hampers down the stairs. I purposely bought hampers that they could drag themselves down the stairs. So when they got a little bit older, when they were like uh, three or four years old, I would say, okay, it's Tuesday. It's laundry day. They would bring their hampers downstairs and they would start to sort their own laundry. Now, I could have sorted their laundry, right. could have sorted it so much faster, but that was me investing in my kids, right? Yeah. Because eventually they got it. They knew the darks from the lights to not put the reds with the whites and all those things, right? So then eventually it became, I didn't have to call out on Tuesday, that it's laundry day. My kids knew on Tuesdays, bringing their hampers downstairs, sorting their clothes. And then when they got a little bit older, like mm, seven years old or so, they would put the laundry into the washing machine. And they would put this open, right? Get it started. And then as they got a little bit older, didn't have to tell them it's Tuesday laundry day, brought their hampers down, sorted their laundry, put it into the washing machine, put it into the dryer. And guess what happens? I don't do laundry anymore. Right? Oh, wow. And so what a huge relief that is for me. It's Laundry is such a dumb thing for us to be stressed about. <laughs> really and is. yet it causes so much stress, right? So by automating it, I'm not having to nag them. Everybody in the house knows Tuesday is laundry day for them. And as I'm getting them started, I'm delegating. And yes, it does take longer for them to do it. I could have done it so much faster when they were three years old. I could have done it so much faster when they were five years old. But now I don't do laundry at all. So that has been a complete investment of my time. That's freed up incredible amounts of space. And with my son going off to college this past year, Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, he had tools. He already, like doing laundry was not anything that we were stressed about because he'd been doing it by himself for years mm-hmm. at that point, right? Yeah. So I think this is the thing is there's little things that we can be doing where we can lean on our team. And if we think of it this way, when we think about delegation, not as giving someone else a burden, but as an opportunity to thrive and grow and expand their knowledge and skills, that's a beautiful thing mm-hmm. for our employees for our coworkers, for the people that we manage. What a beautiful gift that is for our kids, mm-hmm. right? What a beautiful gift that is for our spouse as well, whose mm-hmm. laundry we also don't need to do. So really making sure that we are sharing that wealth of tasks and chores makes a big difference because then I'm able to be fully present. So it's little tiny things like that that seem so simple. And that's, that's truly what I love about most of what I teach. I call it small, huge movements. Simple to implement, easy to manage, but monumental in the impact it can make in your daily life. Okay, y'all. So I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. 
But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDKornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, and all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules, and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you want to know how to get there? To have more breathing room in your days? Let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at AnnaDKornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. Little things like taking laundry off your stress list, it's like a weight lifted, right? Right. Absolutely. That's such a great tactical example, too, because not only is it freeing up your time, but it's teaching your kids to be self-sufficient and teaching them life skills that we so often Mm -hmm. complain are just not taught anymore. Uh, And it really is a win-win. My oldest is three right now, and we've just started teaching her how to fold washcloths and fold hand towels. And yes. Love it. Oh, we can do it so much faster, but- So much faster. Teaching her how to fold the washcloths makes Mm -hmm. her excited. It makes her feel like she's a part of the team. And next, we'll move on to towels. And next thing you know, she will be helping us fold. So and another piece is that you, you refer to this as an automation. You've automated laundry in your home. A lot of times when we th- when we hear the word automation, we think about a computer program or right. I always picture a factory that is just building cars or something from like a cartoon right. maybe. We picture automation as being this complicated thing, but you have taken the concept of automation and gotten your home team, your kids involved, and now you've completely taken something off of your plate to give you more time to spend on the things that you're passionate about. Yes, because you know what I'm not passionate about? Laundry. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> Big surprise there. But this is the thing. The automations take a lot of that stress out of the home life. And by having them in my workplace, it takes mm-hmm. a lot of the stress out of that too. I think so often we think that if we're the manager, if we are the boss, if we're in charge, that we have to do more than everybody else. Yeah. And that's not the truth. The truth no. is we want to be the visionary. 
-hmm. in our business. We want to be the one who's looking out into the future and making decisions about where we are all going together. And then your team, they are out there on the ground doing the work. Mm -hmm. For far too long, I had the limiting belief that if I didn't do it myself, then it didn't count. And I yes. know I'm You're not, not alone. Only, yeah. I know I'm not the only person who has felt that way, but I couldn't believe when I found out that people outsourced things like social media or copywriting or uh, podcast editing. I couldn't believe when that, when I found that people out, that they're not doing it all. And then but the day that I realized, oh, I can outsource these things so that I can spend more time on the things that I can, that I'm best at, that only right. I can do, uh, that's when everything changed. It, it is because I think there's this limiting belief that it, somehow it's cheating right. if we're not doing it all. Or we have to work harder than everybody else. And the mm -hmm. truth is you don't have to work harder to earn your value, to earn your worth, to earn the love that you deserve automatically just by being here. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really revolutionary when you get to that point and you recognize and realize, I don't have to do it all. In fact, there are people who would love to do that for you and could actually do it better. Like podcast editing, right? I did mine for a while because it's the same as you. Totally had that same limiting belief. But then I started having a podcast editor do my podcast episodes and they sounded better. <laughs> they knew right. how to do all the equalizing and yes. doing all those things. And they were doing it better. And they love doing podcast editing. I guarantee the tasks that you don't enjoy, there is somebody in this world who is like, ooh, I love doing spreadsheets or I love doing budgeting or whatever it is you're not enjoying. Let those people do it. You know, one of the things I do with my team every year is I have them write out all the different tasks they do and they put them into categories. Things I love doing, things I like doing, things I feel okay about, things I don't particularly enjoy, and then things I wish I could do more of. Ooh. And that's always the most interesting category. I like to know what my team really is loving, what they're enjoying. I like to know what they don't like. We're all going to have things we don't love in our jobs. So, But that, that last category of things I wish I could do or things I'd like to do more of, it's so eye-opening because all of a sudden you realize, wait, this person on my team wishes they could do more with photography. I would love for them to take pictures of this open house right? Or this person wishes they could do more copywriting. I, I would love for them to do the copywriting for my website. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you start tapping into these secret talents that your team has you didn't even know existed or that you have been, you know, sludging along, carrying around doing those tasks when there's someone right there who'd be like, oh, me, me, I want to do it. Mm -hmm. It's so eye-opening. So really taking the time to understand who your team is, you already have, is really empowering. Oh, that is such a great exercise. And out of curiosity, um, what size is your team? Well, my team is about seven people, um, you know, between, and then I also have contractors and 1099ers, but those are, those are the W2s. Um, so I do have, you know, contractors who do different things for me. My podcast editor isn't directly part of my team. It's a 1099. Mm -hmm. um, some of my publicity and PR is a 1099. Uh, but yeah, that's, so it's, it's not a huge team. And I think that's the other fallacy. That's the other limiting belief. We feel like we need more people or we need more money or we need more of whatever. Here's the thing. When I started Inkwell Press, I scaled it to seven figures in less than 18 months. And I only had three employees. Me, wow. my husband, John, who's worked for me since 2009, and then one other person. 
three people to get to seven figures. You don't have to have a giant team. You don't have, it's really taking a lot of these things that we're talking about here, simplifying them. Small, huge movements. Mm -hmm. That's what productivity does for you. It allows you to do the things that matter most, that move the needle in your business or in your life without the extra stress and without the extra work. Mm -hmm. You know, it sounds like that scaling a business to that size with just three people would take a lot of focus. And so, so often it can be really tough for us to, to choose how we want to spend our time because yeah. there are so many different things that we're interested in, but I'm passionate about this, but I'm also passionate about say photography, but I'm passionate about, um, writing and I'm passionate about jewelry making. Talk to me about what you call, um, multi being multi-passionate, uh, being mm -hmm. a myth. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. The myth of the multi-passionate, I, I think that this is the thing, is a lot of us, me included in the past, have hidden behind this title of being multi-passionate. Oh, I can't choose because I'm multi-passionate. I have so many things that I love. And the truth is, you can look far and wide in this world. You will never find someone who's like, one thing, I only love one thing. <laughs> We're all, we are all multi-passionate. All of us love more than one thing. So there's an exercise that I walk through in the book on purpose where I walk through, let's figure out what you're truly passionate about. Because a lot of times we think that we're multi-passionate about all these things, but through this exercise where we talk about your powers, the impact it's going to make on your life, the life of others, the excitement you have for it, it's such a simple and easy exercise. It clarifies it. And it's like, oh, these are the things I like the most. These mm -hmm. are the things I want to focus in on. Uh, and it's true. There's, there's lots of things that we love to do, right? So for me, like going back to that idea of, you know, how I scaled my business to seven figures and that idea of wearing all the hats, right? I didn't wear all the hats at the same time. So for your business, a lot of times you do have to do the different departments because you're, you're just getting started or you don't want to have a big team. I would have theme days. So oh. Monday was marketing Monday. Yes. Tuesday was outreach. So that was, you know, so Monday was the day where I worked on, you know, copy for ads, or I would work on, you know, marketing information or making, you know, you know, I don't know, whatever promotions and brochures or whatever we need to do. That was Monday. That wasn't to say I wasn't doing anything else, but that was the focus for Monday. So mm -hmm. my morning block was really focused in on marketing. And so that way I knew it was getting taken care of. Tuesdays was outreach. So that was a day to work on podcast episodes or a blog post or outreach to our customers and clients. Wednesday was Warehouse Wednesday. So that was the day where I was doing, you know, when I first started my business and we only shipped a couple days a week, Wednesday was a shipping day, an inventory day. And so I just had these themes. So that way it became more of a focus. Now, if a marketing issue came up on Wednesday, it wasn't to say I didn't talk about it. I was just like, okay, if it was an emergency, we can take care of it. Otherwise, it waits till Monday. Mm -hmm. And that allows me to really zoom in and go deep. I think so often when there's so many things where we have our hands in, we're going shallow into all these pools. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't allow us to make a difference, to move the needle. We want to go deep with where we're going, with our information, with our research or whatever we're creating. And that allows us to make a big difference. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like having an automation, right? Where it's like, oh, I know that I'm going to take care of marketing because it happens on Mondays. I know I'm going to take care of inventory if you have products because it happens on Wednesdays. And again, we're taking the thinking out of it because what happens is, we stress ourselves out with all the thinking that we're doing. Our brain is this giant filing cabinet, right, of information. And it adds a lot of weight 
to us. And that means it adds a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. So if we can take the thinking out of it as much as possible to create this beautiful structure, like your skeleton in your body, like we talked about, it makes it so much easier because it frees us up because we don't have to worry so much. Nothing's going to fall between the cracks. Mm -hmm. So again, it's this idea of figure out what you need to do and then give it some time, really dedicate it. Um, And when you are multi-passionate, doing an exercise like that pie activity that I walked through in the book, that can really help you understand, oh, I'm not really that passionate about these other things, right? I want to do these fewer things instead. Mm -hmm. And whenever you're able to narrow it down and you then are able to carve out the space to go deep, it sounds like that really is the path to living on purpose. You know, we hear this concept of living with purpose, productivity with a purpose. Um, I like to say planning without purpose is pointless because it is. It is. Uh, yes, <laughs> absolutely. For you, what, it, what does it mean to live on purpose? I like to say living on purpose isn't about changing who you are. It's rising up and becoming the best version of you. It's looking out at the horizon and seeing this bright, beautiful future that you dream about And then making steps each and every day to get closer to that vision you have. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's one of the things we really dive into in the book on purpose. How do you look at something that's big, this big vision you have of what you want or what you dream of 10, 20 years down the road? How do you break that down and figure out, okay, I'm not going to get caught up and overwhelmed with how big that that is, right? If if you had told me 10 years ago, I would be writing a book that was a top 10 business book of the year, I would have been like, oh my God, that's so stressful, Right. But there were all these little steps that led me there. So it's taking this big vision and backing it up and making sure that when we're setting our goals, we're setting the right goals for us. We're not setting our goals based off what everybody else is doing, which is what we have a tendency to do. We look around and we measure success based off what everybody else is doing. Well, they're doing this in their business. I should be doing this. Or I think I'm supposed to be doing this because this person's doing these things. Instead, aligning our goals with that vision of where we want to go. And that allows you to live on purpose because then when you're working each and every day, it has so much more meaning. Mm -hmm. And that's when we slip into bed and feel satisfied and successful. I think far too many women run around chasing busy, Mm -hmm. doing a thousand things on their to-do list, getting a thousand things done, but slipping into bed at night and going, oh, why didn't I get more done? Or why do I feel so bad about myself? Because we're not doing work that feels meaningful. Mm -hmm. I want women to feel like the work they do has meaning. I want you to feel good when you go to bed at night. Mm-hmm. Wow. Thank you so much. Um, Tanya, I, I completely agree. You know, values-based productivity. It's not busy for the sake of being busy. It's not checking things off of your to-do list for the sake for the sake of making a check mark or crossing a line through them. It's it's aiming to have that feeling that you described, ending each day, feeling content, feeling satisfied, feeling accomplished. And and taking the purposeful steps to get there. But first it starts with knowing what it is that you truly want, Um, Mm -hmm. not what everyone else wants for you or what you think you should want or what Pinterest is showing you or what's in your Instagram feed. It's what you truly want. Um, So Tanya, I want to thank you so, so much for your time today, for just pouring into the listeners, for sharing your thoughts on living with purpose, for 
giving us some amazing tips to cut some laundry out of our life as well. I'm really looking <laughs> forward to automating laundry and getting my kiddos involved. But Tanya, how can we stay in touch with you and continue learning from you? Yeah, I love that question. So one of the easiest ways, honestly, is just whatever podcast platform you're using right now, do a search for Intentional Advantage. That's the name of my podcast. Or you can search by my name, Tanya Dalton, and follow my podcast because I am constantly updating it. Uh, we're now every other week, but there are, I think, 270 some odd episodes that have already gone live full of tips and strategies and actionable ways that you can really feel more productive in your days. So you can do that, The Intentional Advantage, or you can go to tanyadalton.com, which is my hub for everything, my podcast, my books, The Joy of Missing Out, and On Purpose. And you can find out all about me and you know speaking opportunities and everything else. Wonderful. And of course, we'll be sure to link all of those links in the show notes. Um, Tanya, thank you again so much. It has been an absolute delight to talk with you today. Uh, and I really look forward to keeping in touch. Thanks again. Thank you. And there you have it. Like Tanya said, time is one of those precious commodities that we don't think about until it's gone. So I challenge you to start thinking about it. How can you be more purposeful with your time? How can you stop wearing all the hats once and for all and cultivate small, huge movements in your life? I know you can do it. You are capable of living with purpose and being productive, my friend. You can find links to the productivity tools that Tanya mentioned, as well as links to stay in touch with her by visiting the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 155. And before you go, let me tell you about next week's episode. Next week's episode, episode 156, is all about habits, hacking your habits to be exact. So what is habit hacking and why is it so helpful? Be sure to tune in to episode 156 where I'll be talking with Emily Nichols all about how to hack your habits and transform your life. Thanks again for listening and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks for listening to It's About Time, a podcast about work, life, and balance. Head over to www.abouttimepodcast.com to join the conversation. Check out the show notes and dive into bonus content so you can start living your best life today. Love this episode? Be sure to share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode.